guys, welcome. My name is Michael Corral, and this podcast explores culture, faith, and everything else. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is Michael Corral. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I'm very excited about today's episode because it's about this subject and topic that's been beating at my chest, waiting to come out, and I'm very excited to share it with you guys today. And it is on this message, this subject called hope. And so just, just to get started, I want to give a little bit of a backstory as to why hope. So every day when I wake up, one of the things that I like to do is I like to just thank God for today. Thank Him for what's to come. Thank Him for the things that I don't understand. And just really dive into thankfulness and gratitude. And one thing that God loves to do is just point out an area of my life that I need to grow in. So that whether that's areas of compassion areas of patience. It doesn't matter what it is. There's no like limits. But so this one time I woke up and I was praying and thanking God. And what he'll typically do is remind me of someone or something who carries a characteristic and an area that I need to grow in. So kind of as I'm praying, the Lord highlights a friend. And this friend is someone who the Lord sees as maybe one of the most selfless people and someone that I've even seen to carry that characteristic. And I say that because this person sees and meets the needs of the people to the left, to the right of them, in front of them, their friends, their family. It doesn't matter who it would be. There's an area of compassion in their heart that exceeds even that of mine, even that of a lot of people that I've ever met. And so what what was happening is God's highlighting what this person does. And it's one of those things that maybe they don't understand why they do it or how they do it. It's just innate. They were born to do it. It's something that they've been created to do their whole life. And they don't even have to really try at it. And so God's reminding me of this. And and I'm thinking in my own life, man, how can I be more like selfless? And how can I respond? How can I help out more people? And God says this quote to me. He He says that selflessness has the ability to restore hope in this generation. So naturally, I start asking myself a ton of questions. What is hope? Why does it need to be restored? When did we lose it? What does it mean? Like, what happened? Why is it all gone, right? So the first thing I think we have to do is obviously define what hope is. And so I like to look at two different definitions. The first one is a more worldly definition, and the second one is a more kind of biblical definition of hope. So kind of looking at the first definition would be a feeling of expectation and desire for certain things to happen and usually having a good reason to think that it might. So that's kind of the worldly definition, dictionary definition. And so the biblical definition is to trust in, wait for, look for, or desire something or someone, or to expect something beneficial in the future. And see, those are very similar definitions, so we don't have to kind of like differentiate too much about them. But there is one thing that I think about that kind of sticks out That could be a huge difference in the way that these are portrayed. So some of you may disagree, but that's totally fine. I want to give you the reason why I think these two differ. Because when you think of the worldly definition of hope, it's so easy for unbelief and discouragement to come. Why? Because things happen to us all the time. Whether it's death, whether it's plans not going the right way, whether it's not getting into our dream school, things come in the middle of what we have seen 
And we then have this unbelief in our heart to think maybe it cannot happen. But a biblical definition of hope sees the future and it knows it's coming. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. This thing has to happen. So when I think of my life and the areas of my life that have happened uh, and, and I've seen God move, then I have to understand that His promises are true. There's a promise. There's something beneficial in the future. But when you think of, of the worldly definition of it, it's so easy for unbelief to come, right? Because with the biblical definition, you have to have faith. But with the worldly definition, that does not necessarily have to be the point that we hold on to, that we lock eyes with, and that creates movement in our hearts so we're continuously chasing after that. Now, let me give you an example of why I think that. So I have not always been a Jesus lover. I have not always been someone who considers himself a man of faith. I've always believed in God. I've always seen and heard about him, but I never truly walked it out until maybe I was 17 years old. So prior to knowing who Jesus was, I kind of had this mentality of like, man, I'd rather push people away and not get hurt than allow them to come into my life and let them hurt me. So I, honestly, I would just roast people. I would do whatever it takes to keep them away from me. I kept my hockey friends close and my family close, and that's about it. So I remember one of the most kind of like crazy times of my life. I had these two friends who were investing in me, inviting me into areas of their life and really challenging me to be a better person, a person of faith, without like forcing me to do anything I didn't want to do. And so in the middle of all this kind of madness, I seen them and I wanted to be around them more. It was just so inviting. It was something about their heart, something about the way that they lived life that I was drawn to. In the midst of that, someone near and dear to my heart, my grandfather, passed away. And I remembered these two guys in that moment. Because they, for some reason, they carried something that I desired. For some reason, they had something that I wanted. And I remember the next day wanting to go to church. Because I thought that's where they would be. My mom takes me to church the next day. I don't remember seeing them, honestly. But I remember a moment, me... In a hallway, this lady came up to me. She starts asking me questions because she sees that I'm in tears. And she starts praying for me. She says, Jesus, would you give him hope? Jesus, would you give him peace? Jesus, would you restore his family? She starts saying all these things. And at the first time in my life, I feel the weight of all those things starting. The first time I feel peace. The first time I feel joy. The first time I feel hope. And it's crazy, right? Because before, before that, I would have never ran to that place. Before even knowing these guys, I would have never ran to that place unless I seen a glimpse of hope. Unless I seen a glimpse of peace. So faith draws us to places and areas where we think it could occur. And whether or not it happens in the way that we think, it, it, I, in my mind, I thought they were going to be there. But the reality was someone else was a part of that process in my life. Crazy. And to think of that, there had to be something in my heart, in my mind, that would lead me to believe that I could receive those things in the most devastating time of my life. See, I believe that faith drew me to that place. 
So biblical hope has to be faith-focused. So what I mean by that is that, in a sense, faith is the present tense of hope. It has to be. Because you're, you're going for something. You're motivated to endure. Whatever comes against you cannot like push you too far off the track. Whereas the worldly view, when something happens, something occurs, it's so easy for us to say, oh, maybe this wasn't the plan. Maybe this is not the way it was supposed to happen. And then you get all bitter, you get hurt, you get angry. And I'm only saying this because I've experienced that in my life. So I have a little bit of a maybe silly explanation as to why I think that the worldly definition does not have faith in it. So at one of my old jobs, I used to have this friend. She was awesome. She was amazing. So many ways to describe her. But she knew that I was one of those people who loved God, loved Jesus. And so she would always ask kind of like random questions about the whole thing. And they weren't really questions that were meant to offend me, but they were just kind of like to be like, do you really believe this? So I never got offended by it because in my mind, I was just like, oh, maybe she's interested in knowing a little bit more. Today's world would probably classify her as an unbeliever of a Christian faith. Someone who, who maybe didn't believe that Jesus was real or that God is a designer of the earth, which is totally fine. You can believe whatever you want. But in my mind, I only had one job, and that was to love the people around me, to say, despite who you are, despite what you've done, despite what you say against me, I love you every single ounce, every single step of the way. So I'll be honest, I didn't go out of my way to serve them, but I just did simple things that they would ask. Hanging out with them, hearing them out, praying for them daily, asking God to encounter them, whatever it takes, I would do that for them. And simply, when the world would respond one way, I would do the exact opposite. And it would almost shock them. And so I remember working there and working there and just being the same person day in and day out. And when it came time to leave that place, something crazy happened. And I, and I want to give a little bit of a backstory because my whole life people would ask, hey, Michael, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I didn't always have kind of the normal answer. You know, most people would think like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a professional football player. I just want to be a doctor. I want to change. I want to, I want to change things. I want to see people get like help. Well, my answer was always just, I want to change the world. And there would always be people who either chuckled, laughed, whatever it looked like, and then ask a question, no, really, what do you want to be? And so that question came up at this workplace, and I would always say it, man, I just want to change the world. I just want to change the world. For some reason, there was a desire in my heart to see the world actually change. So years go by and years go by. I'm loving the people at my work, building friendship, relationship, doing simple things. Nothing too crazy, honestly. Just staying true to myself. And when the time came to leave that job, this person, this friend of mine gave me a card. And in that card, I think there was like a gift card in it, which was a blessing. But what was said in the card will mark my heart forever. So in this card... There was a bunch of nice things that this person said, but they ended with a statement. 
The statement is so funny, but what it said is, go change the world. And I remember seeing that and thinking in my heart, oh my gosh. The lack of belief, the unbelief that was in the heart of someone before, where I would say, I want to change the world, where they would laugh, where they would ask questions, where they would be like, no, really? The one person that maybe people would think is too far off to even believe that there's hope would see someone's life daily and little by little get hints of hope, little by little get hints of joy, little by little get hints of peace and would say at the end of a tenure, go change the world and declare it. That it would be from unbelief to the fullness of faith in just a matter of years. So I'm saying that because there had to be some sort of unbelief before. For someone to laugh or even chuckle. Not to do it in an offensive way, but just not really sure if the world can be changed. But to see someone every single day to carry the same character, to carry the same love, the same boldness, could it be that those years of us working together restored hope that the world could be changed? I think that it has to be true. I think that it has to be that for some reason, selflessness could be the one thing that restores hope to an entire generation. When all seems lost, when all seems not doable, When everything else could come against you, you have to believe that someone who displays even an ounce of selflessness, something that is not seen today, can restore the one thing that people always desired. And I believe that's true because two guys who poured into my life, two guys who who showed me what it was like to, to love like Jesus led me to believe that I could run to a church and feel and experience that hope in the midst of my most devastating moment, losing my grandfather. Or even a woman or a coworker or someone who would not believe that the world could be changed because there's too much corruption, too much political scandals, too much racism, whatever it might be, that it is not doable. But for one person to love so wildly and in the most uncommon way would lead someone to believe that hope can be restored, that the world can be changed. And it's not about what I can do. I'm just saying and giving examples of my life and things and moments of someone who poured into me what I did for someone else. And I didn't do anything crazy. I just loved the people to the left and right of me. You know, you can be certain that like in the midst of chasing after something, there's going to be things that come against you. I promise life is crazy and I don't know what it is and I don't want to speak death over your life, but we have to be prepared. And one way that you know that there is hope in it is that it always leads to joy. It always leads to boldness. It always has faith. It always has knowledge of love. And you can be certain it's not hopeful If any ounce of unbelief comes in, and I know that's probably the challenging thing of thinking like there probably is some times in our heart that we're thinking maybe this isn't doable. Maybe it can't be done. 
But man, I, I believe that hope has seen something. And its only desire and its only motivation is to be moved by that one thing. To draw closer to it. To run after it. I think of myself running to a church to find a glimpse of hope. To find a glimpse of joy. I had to run to it in order to receive it. And I know I keep beating that and I, I've, maybe I've said it multiple times. But I believe it to be true. I believe it that, that we need to keep understanding that hope sees the future, runs after it, despite any walls or, or anything that would get in the way, jumps over those and says, man, I've seen a glimpse of it and I desire to have the fullness of it. And in order to receive the fullness of something, there has to be a level of sacrifice from others. I think of every great moment of history. Jesus, he sacrificed his life. My, my family, my mom and dad, they would sacrifice their time, and everything that they could so that me and my brother and sister would have the most comfort, that we would be able to believe that our dreams are doable. They sacrificed every single ounce of themselves so that we would know that we are loved. I think of teachers, physicians, policemen, firemen, you name it, the grocery clerk, the time, the things that they've sacrificed so that we would gain something. That level of love even if it's a small ounce of it, has the ability to restore hope to a generation who only knows suicide, a generation who only knows depression, who only knows hatred, racism. These things have to go when hope is there because that means selflessness is being so seen. Selflessness is the thing that's driving us is that we're looking at people to the left and right of us and saying, despite what you've been through, Despite who, who people say you are, I'm with you. I stand with you. Maybe I, maybe I can't fit into your shoe, but man, I'll walk alongside you. There has to be a level of compassion involved. And compassion just means to suffer with, alongside that person. You don't have to necessarily have been the person who experienced racism, experienced depression. But you can actually walk with those people. Fight for them. Pray with them. Tell them that you desire the breakthrough for them. I, I had a moment the other day and, and, it, and it drew me to tears that I have a friend who's experiencing sickness and I haven't been fighting for them enough, believing and praying that, that their breakthrough was to come. And I think even in my own life, if I can become more selfless than ever, if I can dream with my friends, if I could be the person who, who says, despite what's going on, man, I want to walk with you. I want to believe for the things that you're believing for. That's the thing that changes people. And I was so marked by my friend's life. She's so amazing in the way that she values her time with her family, values her times with her friends. That she would, would think about things and ask the question of like, what's one way you'd describe your mom? And her answer also was that she was one of the most selfless people that she knew. And it's no wonder that that same thing marks her heart, that she would live like that, that it would draw me in a moment of prayer to hear from God to say that her life has the ability to restore hope in a generation. So man, I want to challenge you. I want to say, would you be that person? 
Think of one person that you can reach out to. One person that needs a little bit more faith in their life. One person that, that at the end of time would be like, man, I saw the way that they lived. I saw the way that they loved. And because of that, it gave me hope. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. To send in topic ideas for future episodes, head over to my Instagram, click that follow button, and slide into my DMs.